sweet Jesus, you're the wind beneath my wings. Sweet Jesus, you're my melody and harmony. Sweet Jesus, you're the eyes that I see through. Sweet Jesus, yes, I'm dancing to your tune. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for choosing us. We thank you for qualifying us. We thank you for accepting us. We thank you for not giving up on us. And we pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our midst and in our discussion. In the name of Jesus, amen. We thank God for another opportunity, another day to live for him. And all too soon, we are on the final episode of our series, His Poema. And we have been considering Ephesians chapter 2, the verse number 10. As I said, I hope by now you have all memorized it. And it goes like, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works or unto good works, which God before has ordained that we should walk in them. So we establish the fact that, or the truth, that the first thing that we should know is that you are God's best, you are God's poem, and you are God's masterpiece. And everything about you, it's carefully selected by God. And it's not just because God created you as a human being, that makes you special, because human beings were made after the image of God, which is we are made after the person of Jesus. So already we are special. But after the reconciliation ministry, and now we were created in Christ Jesus, we are now double special. That's why Paul calls us his masterpiece. We are his best work that he would ever make and he has ever made. And we also want to look at that we are created for good work. And we looked at titles that made us understand that Jesus was separating and purifying himself for people who are serious to do good work. And it's important for us to appreciate the fact that it's a privilege for God to choose us to do good works because God doesn't use people to dump people. God doesn't do that. And there's this um, scenario from the Bible that is mostly given, talking about the donkey that Jesus used to go to Jerusalem. We know that because the donkey was used by Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, the Bible says that people put their clothes on the floor as mats and they were healing Jesus as he was entering Jerusalem and it would be funny for the donkey to think that they are healing him or they are healing it but the only reason why the donkey was enjoying some of the fans the only reason why the donkey was walking on people's clothes was because somebody was riding on it was because Jesus was riding on it so the only reason why we are so special to God is that we are not just created after the image of Jesus but now we have been created in Christ Jesus, and we are to do good works. We are to do good works, and this is where I want to start from. Now, I don't want us to consider something in Second Timothy chapter three, the verse sixteen to seventeen. Early this week, Baba drew my mind to this scripture, and I want us to start from there. It says that Second Timothy three verse sixteen that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, by the breath of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction for instruction in righteousness instruction in righteousness 
in righteousness. That's very important. And verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So then, last week we explained what these good works are. These good works are not philanthropic works. These good works are not being a nice person. But these good works are where you position yourself to become the channel through which the provision of God reaches to the needs and the cries of people. That is why the Bible says that in becoming a good vessel, you must study the scriptures. You must. So if it's about just giving arms and opening orphanages and donating to the poor and donating to science and research, you don't need the Bible. You don't need to be a student of the Bible to do all these things. So that tells us the nature of the good works that we do. And this is also very important because one of the primary ways by which we connect the supply of God to the needs of people is through the preaching or the sharing of the word vis-a-vis our testimony in Christ. Because it's disturbing to realize that many people, instead of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, instead of preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, and remember, I once stated that all that God has to say about any other thing and every other thing is Jesus. And that is the message we have been given. And instead of us to introduce people to Jesus, instead of us like Philip who preached Jesus to the Enoch, we are rather preaching many other things. And it's very sad. And the reason why this happens is because the man of God has not submitted himself to the study of the scriptures. I was very sad a few days ago when I was talking to a friend and she had tried to get something. She had applied and I think for about three, four years, she didn't get that particular thing. I was disturbed when she told me that a man of God told her that somebody is holding her door of unbreakthrough. <laughs> I was flabbergasted. I asked the person, wow. And it's interesting, these people that teach these things, they are not there with a good conscience, that with the good motives, etc. But unfortunately, they don't go the extra mile to the students of the word of God. So I asked the lady, um, you know, we did. so how did the person go about it? And the person was like, you know, a time came when Paul said, I think in Thessalonians, that a great and an effectual door has opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. So the person told my friend that I'm the door that you are trying to enter in. She wanted to do something. She wanted to apply for something and gain something, but she was not getting it. That somebody has held the door, that she had done something to somebody or something like that. She has offended somebody. Therefore, the person has held the door or she, a particular sin or so that the person is claiming that she had done. That just as there were many adversities at Paul's gate that he was talking about, or Paul's door, so also her door had been closed. And the person went on to give that, just like Daniel. When Daniel prayed, the Bible said that when the angel was bringing the answer, um, the prince of Persia withheld him, Michael, that he needed reinforcement. And I was really intrigued. And my point is that I asked this lady that one, when Paul said that a great and effectual door was open to me and there are many adversities, were those adversities or were those enemies or were those gatekeepers there because of a sin that Paul had committed? Or you something, or Paul had disobeyed God, that is why they were, adver- they were, they were enemies at his door, in quotes. And the second thing I asked her that, was it a door of breakthrough or healing or, or, or financial breakthrough or however I want to put it? No, Paul was talking about a door of preaching the gospel. 
that a door had opened for him to preach the gospel, but there were hindrances to the preaching of the gospel. This door had absolutely nothing to do with her progress in life. It had nothing to do with her movement in life. It had nothing to do with the advancement in life. And I want to ask you, the Daniel scripture that God gave you, the reason why the angel was withheld by the prince of Persia was it because Daniel had sinned? Absolutely not. So I get baffled when I realize that many people or many of us who are in positions that that communicate God's truth to people, we ourselves don't study the way. So remember we quoted the scripture in Hebrews chapter 2 about how the devil was using fear to keep us in bondage. And it's the same thing people are doing today. Please, the gospel is a gospel. Paul calls it the word of grace and the word of faith. So in Acts chapter 20 or so, instead of I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace, there are two things that you should always identify with the preaching of gospel. Is that when the gospel is being preached, grace is communicated and faith is communicated. That is why even in Romans chapter 8, it lessons that for we have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear. But sadly enough, many of the things we are preaching are imposing guilt condemnation and fear upon people and now you see this doesn't make the person who is sharing the word an evil person or a false prophet or something absolutely not but you see because just as when paul preached the people of Berea were noble because they took the pain to go back to read the bible to be sure about what paul was teaching and this is why many of us have become captives to all sorts of wonderful fallacies I like to call them cock and bull stories. Somebody and I see a dream that in your father's house, in your mother's house, you must do this and you must do this. And I always tell people that don't you realize whenever they give you such words, they always place a demand on you to do something as though it is in you doing something that causes breakthrough to happen. Now, they'll go like, you need to pray 10 hours, you need to pray 5 hours, you need to fast, you need to sow a seed, you need to do all these things. I understand these things are these things are true, but the way we communicate it, one, and the source by which we communicate these things are mostly not of the Spirit of God. There are, any other, there are various other reasons. And we even talked about how God speaks to us through prophets. We touched on these things. And they are important that we know these things. That is why Hebrews chapter 8, let's go to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. It says something interesting. Hebrews 8, verse 10. It says that, For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their heart. I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Listen to the verse 11. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor. For every man his brother saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. So from the day you give your life, so from the person who is born again this very second, to somebody who has been born again for a thousand years, they will all know the Lord. Because God is entering or God is establishing a new relationship or a new covenant with people the verse 12 he said for i'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities i will remember no more so how come because you insulted somebody or because you do i don't know what the person even did and of course the person didn't do anything and that your sins i will remember no more because the devil wants to use our guilt or wants to use our past as a leverage to keep us in bondage the verse 13 and in that he said a new covenant he has made the first old. So that means that because he has brought a new covenant, the old one has become old and has become a person. And if 
God has brought something new, why do you still want to go back to the old thing? That is why Jesus said that my sheep shall know or my sheep hears my voice. So whenever anybody shares something with you, if you are truly born again, even if you are not even matured in the way, you should be able to discern whether this is the voice of God or not. But many of us have left our spiritual growth in the hands of every other person. So they keep telling us things. They keep keeping us in bondage. They keep keeping us in, in, in the law where we always have to strive to do things. I always say this, that if everything in your life can be explained, one, if everything you have, you can trace the source. And if everything you have, you have to work for it, you are still under the law and you are still operating under the curse of Adam. Because God told Adam that in the sweat of your face, you shall eat. That means everything you have to eat, you must wait for it. But if that's the case for us, where comes grace and where comes favor? Because grace simply means that I'm giving you things you did not deserve. And favor means that I'm preferring you for no reason. So if everything in your life, you can explain it. If you don't get miracles, as I said, on a daily basis, you are still living under the curse of Adam. You should enjoy grace and favor, unmerited. You should enjoy things that you do not work for. So if everything in your life you have to sweat for, you have to toil for, you are not under favor. And it's important that we know these things. The man of God must be subjected to the word of God so that he can do good works. We are always imposing fear on people because those teaching and those who are being heard are not on the word. That is why, that whatever we share over here, just as the believers went back to check, you should always go back and see if the scriptures we are quoting, they are quoting properly. Because everybody can quote scriptures. So that's just like a, a recap. <laughs> so let's continue. From Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, it says that, for unto good works. Now the last part is saying that, which God has before ordained that we should work in them. This is very interesting. The Bible is telling us that the good work that we are supposed to do, and even look at the choice of words, it didn't say we are supposed to do them. It says we are supposed to work in them. That means that God has already laid what we are supposed to do. Our lives have already been planned out by God. And all we are supposed to do is to work in them. But this is the point I want us to know. The Bible says that which God has before ordained, before ordained, that means before you even entered into Christ, God had laid out the good works that he wants you to work in them. And now this verse or this portion of the verse is teaching us something very important about God that I want us to really learn for tonight. And that is the immutability of God. To be immutable simply means that one, you are not affected by time. Yes, that's what it means. So it means that you don't change with time, neither does time affect you. And this is very, very important. This truth about who our father is, is very crucial in us having to be able to walk in the good works our Father has prepared for us. That is why in Revelation 13 verse 8, the Bible says the lamp that was slain before the foundations of the world. That one is a popular scripture we all know. But let's look at another scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1, the verse number 19, to buttress this. It goes, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamp without blemish and spot. Look at the verse 20 who truly was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested. That means that before God said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 3, that let there be light, and before 
God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. He had already killed Jesus. Before the foundations of this world was laid, God had already killed Jesus. Wow. Digest this. Now, when we talk about the immutability of God, it also means, or this means that God lives in a realm we call eternity. Eternity simply means there is no beginning and no end. That's one. Eternity simply means too that there is, or when we say God is eternal, we mean that the past, the present, and the future are all in God's presence. Digest this for a while. The past, the present, or let me say your past, your present, and your future are all in God's presence. And this is very important that we know about this concerning our Father. That God does not, God is not a proactive God. It's not as if He waits for something to happen before He also takes place. No. God lives in eternity. He is not affected by time. That is why the Bible says that He declares the end from the beginning. Because in actual fact, both the beginning, the middle, and the end are all in God's presence. So if you take note when God is speaking, that is why most of the times when God is communicating to us, if you take note many times in the Old Testament or in the life of the Israelites, God was telling them that He has already given the land to them. When literally speaking, they were not in the promised land. So when he sent Moses and Moses sent the spies, that's why God is angry at us when we don't believe him. So when Moses sent the spies, and even when God was talking to Gideon, he said that you shall deliver the people because I have already given you the land as your inheritance because I swore to your father Abraham. That is why when God is speaking, we should take note of the tenses God uses. So even in, I think our second episode, talking about in Christ Jesus, the Bible didn't say that God will bless us. The Bible said that God has already blessed us. God has already chosen us. God has already accepted us. So it's not something that God is waiting for you to do something for him to accept you. It's because he, he has already done it. And this is very important. This is why sometimes it's as though God is not moved by our tears. Or God doesn't hear us when we pray. Or God doesn't hear us. Or God doesn't understand the situation we are being through. The reason why sometimes it's as though God doesn't hear us is because he's already seen your end. And the Bible says that your end is the glory of God. So when you are praying to God, that, oh God, why is this happening? Why is it happening? God is, is in, in quotes, is confused. Because when he looks at you, what he sees is your glorious end. Because he's not affected by time. That is why sometimes God will tell you that I have given you something. But when you look at your life, you don't have that because just as we read in first peter chapter 1 verse 19 and 20 let's look at it again it says that the verse 20 let's look at the verse 20 but truly was foreordained the precious blood of the christ was already foreordained before the foundation of this world but was manifested it was what manifested so now god is not affected by time but the people that god deals with that is man we are bounded by time that is why it's as though God is slack concerning his promises. Because when God tells you that I have given you a child, he is speaking in the reality in which he lives in. Because in his reality, you already have the child. But because man lives in the reality of time, these things have to manifest in time. Because just as when you are born, that very day, you are not 20, 40, 50, 60, 70, then you die. But it takes a process of time before you grow up fully. 
for these things to manifest too, when God is dealing with us, we should appreciate these things. Other than that, we will look, we may sometimes get angry at God. We may sometimes get frustrated at God. We may sometimes not understand why God is slow, why God has given us promises, why God has said so many things concerning our lives. And when we look at our lives, we don't see this reality. So when God was talking to Abraham, he told him actually, change your name. He was avoiding made you the father of many nations. And Abraham was like, ah, God, look at me. I don't even have somebody who is going to inherit me is my servant going to inherit me and god was saying absolutely not i'm saying you and sarah would give birth to a child because god had already seen isaac but because abraham lived in the reality of time he needed to manifest in a process of time and we should really appreciate these things that god has so ordained your life and the only thing that god is requiring of you is to walk in his plan for your life that is why one of the most important prayers that you should pray every day is that, Father, let your will be done. Father, let your will be done. Because it's not as though that when God gives birth to you, before he now sits in heaven and starts writing your life for you, know, before the foundations of this world, God had already planned you. So in Acts, when Paul was preaching, I think in Athens, he said that God had determined our boundaries. God had determined where we should be born, the time we should be born, the parents to whom we should be born to. Because God doesn't live in time, he lives in eternity. And now understanding or appreciating the immutability of God would result in three things in your life. And these are the things that we just want to touch on briefly as we bring this episode to an end. Understanding the immutability of God, one, would produce peace and assurance in your life. Because if you appreciate this thing, you will know that your life is like a dead match. So it's like if you're watching a football match, and you know that as for this match, the scores was 0-0. You have a certain assurance and a certain calmness when you're watching the football match. Because you know whether a team gets a penalty whether a team gets a very clear chance, even if there's no keeper in the pool, you know that some way, somehow, they are not going to score because the match has already been played and you're just watching a repeat. So before God, your life is a repeat. That is why it's as though you are crying, God, when is this going? God, when is that? But God has also said that your end is his glory. God has already said that I have blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. God has already said that he has making your life beautiful. So it's not as if now it's not as though that God is now working things out for you. No, it's already there. But because we live in time, it takes time for these things to manifest. That is why as a believer, you should always have peace and assurance and calmness no matter the season of life you are. So in Isaiah, the Bible says that those whose minds are stayed on him, he shall give them perfect peace. And actually in the original rendering or in the manuscript is that the Bible says he shall give them shalom, shalom. It means peace, peace. It means perfect peace because you know that and you are confident that because of who your father is, because your father is immutable and he has said concerning your life, that your life is his end. You are not perplexed by whatever that comes your way. And this is what Joseph knew. That is why even though he was in the pit, even though he was sold into slavery, even though Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, even though he was in the prison for years, even though when he interpreted the backless dream and the backler forgot him for two whole years, never did we ever hear Joseph complaining because Joseph had a settled assurance that his 
God shall fulfill every word concerning his life. So see that whether now you are struggling to pay your fees, whether now you can barely feed yourself, whether now things are not going all well, you know that as long as God is your father, you can never be disadvantaged in his life. So you have a certain calmness throughout life. That is why Jesus, when he was in the boat and the disciples had gone haywire because of the storm, there was a Jesus was asleep in the storm. And if we know or if we appreciate what it means to have a father who is immutable, you always sleep in the storms of life. You always have a certain assurance. You are always confident in life because you know that no matter what happens, your end is the glory of God. You know what, no matter what happens, all things are working together for your good. But because many of us, we don't appreciate this about our Father, the least thing we are worried, the least thing we are anxious, the least thing we are complaining, the least thing we are looking for shortcuts, because we don't know that your life has always been planned. And the one who planned it is saying that I have made your life beautiful. Now, the second thing this truth will produce in your life is patience. Is patience. Now, let's go to James chapter 1. Let's do a study. James chapter 1, from let's say the verse 2. He said, My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Some verses use trials, some verses use tri- um, 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 hard times, whatever version. Whatever the, the, the word is, we know that it's not a pleasant situation. Whether there are tests, whether there are trials, whether there are temptations, whatever word your version decides to use, we know that it's not a pleasant place to be. But the Bible is saying, count it all joy when you are going through an unpleasant season of life. Why are you supposed to be happy when things are not going all well? He said that knowing this, that the trying of your faith is working out what we call patience. Some versions will use endurance, some versions will use perseverance, whatever version. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith will produce patience. But this is the review over here, or this is the thing you are supposed to note. That's the verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work, so that you will be perfect and complete, wanting nothing. Now, this is where many of us will miss it. We do not allow patience to have her work within us. We always try to interrupt the plan of God. We always look for options with the plan of God. We always use for backups with the plan of God. So we never get to realize, we never get to deliver our baby because we always abort our baby because of impatience. Because we are not confident in who our father is because we think that God is now sorting things out in our life. We think that God is now like, no, if you are good with draft or you are good with chess. It's as though God is in the, behind the chessboard. He's not trying to figure a way out in winning a match against the devil. Ha, ah, mercy. Bible says, let patience have a work in you. This is what the people of old knew. This is what David knew. So even though at age 16, he was anointed as king, when his father never considered him as king, when his brothers looked down upon him, this is what David knew. That is why when Saul was trying to kill him and he had the opportunity to kill Saul twice, he never laid his finger against Saul because David was allowing patience to have her work or to finish her work within him. That is why all those around David were saying that, please, this man has been looking for your life, kill him. But David said, how dare I touch the anointed of God? Because David knew that he must allow patience to have her work so that David would be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Allow patience. You see, that is why Joseph was who he was. You see, 
that is why if anybody i always give this scenario if, if if imagine i was i was i was a friend of joseph and i had met joseph in the prison and joseph was telling me a story how around the age of 16 god had given him a dream that he'd be great but before he realized it his brothers had sold him and now he's over here if i was somebody who knew joseph do you know what i'll be doing i'll be devising ways of breaking joseph out of prison so that I'll take Joseph back to his father's house. But if I had done, or if Joseph had had looked for an option, if Joseph had done that, he would have aborted his miracle. He would have aborted his destiny of becoming the prime minister of Egypt and of preserving the life of Israel. But Joseph allowed patience. Sweetheart, we know you're in a season where it's as though your life is moving about in circles, but allow patience. Allow patience. <laughs> not a, a lady called patience but the virtue called patience because you know that your father is immutable you know that your father lives in the past the present and the future and you know that this God this being has spoken good concerning your life the Bible says if he did not withhold Jesus from us do you think it's something good that he will withhold from you do you think it's admissions that he will withhold from you do you think it's good health that you withhold from you but because you live in time it takes time to manifest that is why you must allow patience tell yourself I will allow patience to have a work with me I will allow patience to have a work in me so in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 the Bible tells us that do not be slothful or do not be lazy, but be imitators of those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. Faith and patience obtain the promise. So every promise of God concerning your life, you would require patience to obtain that promise. And let me just finish with the James. The Bible says that, Verse 4, but let patience have their work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now he knows that it's going to be a challenging season of your life. So look at the verse 5. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He knows that you'll be wondering, how can this season I am produce the greatness of God? How can I be in a prison and find myself as the prime minister of Egypt? How can I be a shepherd boy and find myself as a king of Israel? How can I be in the wilderness taking care of, of my father-in-law's and be a god unto Pharaoh is because these people allowed patience. But sometimes because our season is so uncomfortable and because we don't truly appreciate the immutability of God, we are looking for shortcuts. So James quickly interjects that pray for wisdom because in such seasons of your life, in such dryness of your life, in such times where it seems as though your life is moving about in circles, you'll be wondering, your mind will be tempted to wonder. But I think in those seasons, what you need is wisdom. So if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives freely unto all men. The next verse, it says that, but let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavers is like a, is like a wave of a sea driven by the wind and tossed. Now the verse says, and let not this man think that he shall receive anything from God. The verse 8. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 
Because you don't know the immutability of God, you are being double-minded concerning the promise of God. And this is what happened to Abraham. When God told him that I will give you a child of his own, Abraham, for the start, was double-minded. He was thinking twice. He was thinking, do I have to do something or God is actually going to do it? When Sarah brought the option of sleeping with his maid, he didn't think twice about it because he was double-minded. But James is telling us that if that double-minded concerning the promises of God, you will not receive the promise of God. So, sweetheart, the reason why sometimes the promise is delayed, the reason why that unpleasant season is prolonged is because you are double-minded concerning God. You are not yet convinced yourself that this my God, that this my Father is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think of. Allow patience. Now, the last thing I'm sure by now you should guess what it is, is that you will, so need, you will need faith. So Hebrews 11 verse 6, I'm sure we are all conversant with that scripture. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Or he that comes to the Father must believe, or he that comes to God must believe that he is. He didn't say must believe that he was or he would be. Must believe that he is. Because he lives in a reality called is. That's why I said that God lives in the present. So both our past, our future, and our present are all in his presence. So he that comes to the Father must believe that he is. He lives in a reality of time called is. There is no past, there is no present, there is no future. Everything is plain before him. So if you are coming to the Father, you must believe that he is. You will need faith and patience to obtain the promise. So until God could get Abraham to the place where Abraham believed. So in Genesis 15, verse 6, the Bible says that, and Abraham believed God, and God counted it for righteousness. Because Abraham at the beginning was struggling to believe this being. So at the point, God told him to come out, and God says, look in the sky, and says, just as the stars are plenty in the sky, so shall your descendants be. And just as the sun as the seashore, so will your descendants be. And the Bible said, and God wanted to prove a point to Abraham. The Bible said he was looking for somebody to swear by. Because whenever you are swearing, you can't swear by yourself. You must swear by somebody above you. Meaning that in case you don't fulfill your oath, that person, because that person is above you, that person can hold you accountable. But the Bible said that God wanted to tell this man, Abraham, that I'm blessed. I said, I will bless you. And I will give you your child of your own. But God was looking for something to swear by. And he didn't find anybody greater than himself. So the Bible says he swore by himself. In other words, he told himself, if I am God, Abraham, I will do this for you. The Bible said, ah, and Abraham believed God. If God must take you to the place where you are completely assured about him, where you are completely patient, and where you have faith in him, because until these three elements are at place in your life, you'll be double-minded. And James tells us that the double-minded man should not think he can receive anything from God. There are good works that God has ordained before that you should work in them. But the reason why many of us, we are aborting our destinies, is because we don't know this. That is why Joseph, no matter the alternate that was brought before him, he was still focused on the path that the Father has ordained for him. Whether it was in a pit, whether people were lying on him, whether it was in prison, the guy still maintained his focus because his mind was set on him. Remember in Isaiah, he said, they whose minds are set on him, he shall give them perfect peace. But many of us are choosing the option of Potiphar's wife 
Many of us are aborting our babies. Many of us are aborting our destinies. Many of us are refusing to walk in the path that we ordained before us because we don't know about the immutability of God. We don't know that our God is not affected by time. So he doesn't change his mind concerning you. But the only thing he requires of you is that the good works, the purpose he has for you, all that he asks is that you should walk in them. And I've quoted this scripture several, and I'll quote it again. When Jesus in Hebrew, the Bible said that a body has thou prepared for me. Lo, I come in the volumes of the book. It is written of me, O God, to do your will. There are volumes of book written concerning your life. You listening to me. Do not look at the labels. Remember, we talked about this under the masterpiece. Do not consider the fight you are in, the labels of circumstances and people concerning your life. The issue is that just locate yourself in Jesus. Immediately you can locate yourself in Jesus. That very instance, you are transformed into God's masterpiece. And immediately you are transformed into God's masterpiece. You should know that there's a gap that needs a man to fill. And you are that person to fill that gap because the supply of God is there and the Christ and the needs of people are there. All that God requires of you is to walk in the path as ordained for you. I know sometimes life can really be some way. Every door you are knocking on seems not to open. It's as though at one point somebody gives you a good news, promises you an opportunity, promises you something, then your hopes are risen. Then just as every other thing, the person fails on his promise. You may be hitting a particular age and there's certain things that you hoped that you would get and it's as though God is gone to bed. God, why aren't you hearing me? And God is saying, sweetheart, I have declared your end from your beginning. He has already planned the thing out. He has already looked at your life. And when God looked at your life, he said your life is beautiful. That is why the Bible says in his time, he makes all things beautiful. It's not actually his time. It's actually your time. Because he only lives in the realm of us. He only lives in the realm of eternity. But it is in God's approaching time for the things to manifest that he would make all things beautiful. And when that time comes, you would look back and just as the Israelites, your mouth will be filled with laughter. The psalmist says that when the Lord turned back again our captivity, we were like them that dreamt. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. Then said he among the heavens, the Lord has done a great thing. The Lord has done a great thing for us. Wherefore we will be glad. The Lord is doing a great thing in your life. Do not fall for the gospel of fear. Do not fall for the gospel of condemnation. Do not fall for the gospel of of the devil, but listen to the gospel of grace, the gospel that impacts faith, the gospel that impacts the grace of God, the gospel that impacts the message of Jesus, that because of Jesus you are accepted. God is not accepting you because of you, but because you have found yourself in him, he has accepted. And sweetheart, in his time or in your time, you will look back and you will laugh because you'll be amazed how God has turned back your captivity, how God has turned back your captivity. Even as we end tonight's episode, remember the immutability of God. So it's not as though God is slack. It's not as though God is delayed. It's not as though God is unconcerned. But God is looking at your life now and he sees that he has given you a beautiful life. Just be confident in this God. Just be patient or just allow patience to have their way and continue to have faith. Do not change your confession. Do not change your stance. Do not change anything. Do not draw back. Hebrews tells us the soul that draws back, I shall have no more delight in him. Maintain your confession. Maintain your profession of faith. Acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. You will have a good home. You will have a good marriage. Your children will be good children. Your children will bring delight to you. Your 
life is beautiful. You shall enjoy good life. You shall enjoy good health. The Bible said that he will satisfy us with long life. This satisfaction doesn't mean you give you 100 years, 200 years. You don't talk about longevity of life, but you live a fulfilled life. So whenever the patriots were dying, the Bible said, and David, full of age. The Bible says, and Moses, full of age. You would die full of age, meaning that you would have accomplished all that God has for you, meaning that you would have walked in the foreordained path that God has for you, meaning that every volume, every book concerning your life, you would fulfill it. And when you do, you would die of full age. I would like to pause here, even as I invite my friends to give their commentary or their question, or before ordained that we should walk in them. And I would like to start with Bene. Kindly give us your commentary. All right, then. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm reading from Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, Now, as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he's under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. Amen. So um, when you read the preceding chapter, you know that Paul in these verses was talking about the law and grace. So um, he said that even though, you see, even though God promised him and he slain Jesus Christ before the foundations of the earth, he still had to prepare mankind to receive Jesus Christ. And one of the major ways of um, preparation was through the law. So God did not send Jesus Christ immediately after Adam's sin. Rather, he prepared mankind for such a time. And Paul is saying here that even though man, the entire human race had been promised Jesus Christ, we were still children and we were similar slaves because we had not obtained the promise yet. Rather, God prepared man, his child, to receive this promise by placing man under the care of a tutor or a guardian called the law. And um, man was trained by the law until the time appointed by the Father. And one of these ways by which um, the law or our tutor trained us was to make known to us that we truly are sinners and we are in need of um, and, and salvation or we are in need of a Savior. And the law pointed us to Jesus Christ. So this law and um, the law trained man until the time Jesus Christ came. And so you see that even in salvation, God had to prepare mankind or he had to prepare us for it. And so does God prepare us for every manifestation of his promise. And see, imagine um, a rich man who gives um, his six-year-old boy um, and son and the key to drive a car. And he says, oh, you can go on, go on, drive the car. Um, once you question the acts of this particular um, rich man, you see exactly um, in the same way, even though God has prepared you for so many promises, he says he'll make you great, he'll heal you, he'll give you a job, he says um, he'll give you a husband, he says he'll give you all the promises. And truly these promises are yours, like the car is for the six-year-old boy. However, God loves you too much to hand over to you something he has not prepared you for. You can't handle it. You can't handle it well enough and it may even destroy you. 
So um, trust God's timing, even though He has ordained you and He has promised you for good works, He has ordained you for good works and and and, and good promises. But you have to trust God's timing and you have to be subject to his training and preparation. You can't run away from God's training and his preparation because he loves you too much to hand over to you something and and he has not prepared you for something which will destroy you. So trust God's time and be subject to his training, okay? And your appointed time is soon approaching. Thank you very much. Amen. Angie. All right. So thank you very much for this opportunity. And I believe we've learned a lot today. Um, I just want to add my voice to a little that I've also learned. Um, when you read the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, God said that, well, I know the thoughts that I have, or I think towards you. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you unexpected end. Yeah, so God was talking to us about the thoughts and the plan that He has for us. Yeah. And I think in, in the epistle, Paul talked about how God said that He had chosen us before we came into being or we came into existence. He also told Jeremiah that before you formed Him in the womb, He knew Him and He ordained Him to be a prophet. Yeah, so it's not like God is now thinking about things that he's going to do for us. He has ordained things and he had arranged things even before the foundations of the earth. And the key ingredients that we need, as Sam said, that we need patience and we need faith. And it's very, very expedient as Christians to have these um, virtues. That is why Isaiah also said that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up over wings like eagles. They shall run and never be weary. They shall walk and not faint here. So patience, it's one of the virtues that is very difficult to culture. Because when you look at the world that we live in now, it's like we want everything fast, fast. And um, I think some of us call this generation as a microbe generation here. Yeah. Because everything is fast, we have fast food, fast delivery, like, yeah, we want fast sex and everything. But that is not how the program of God is. Even Jesus Christ, when he was coming into this earth, he wasn't able to bypass some of the laws of nature. Like, when a woman is pregnant, it's supposed to take nine months for the baby to be ready to be born in the earth. Yeah. But because Jesus Christ was God, he wasn't exempted from this law. He stayed in the womb of Mary for nine months before he came onto this earth. And he had to grow to the age of 30 before he started his ministry. So he wasn't exempted from the laws of nature, but he had to go through that process. So I just want us to trust God and let's have faith in God. That even we might not see the things that or the promises that we see in the Bible manifest in our lives. But what we have to do is to have faith in God and know that God is working around or God is working in the scenes for us. As I said in the book of Romans, that all things work together for our good, for them that love the Lord. The Lord is working for us and we have to know that he had already ordained us onto good works. We just have to trust and have patience and know that he's hopeful. Our lives will come to pass. Amen.
Amen and amen. For I know that thoughts are thinking towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good and not of evil take you to an expected end. God bless you so much. And finally, Baba, kindly give us your commentary. I'd also say that from, from the highlights of this verse that we've studied so far up to this point, I can also say that um, this shows the intent that God has for man before even we came into existence or before we even came into this world. God had already planned or purposed beforehand that we may walk in them so the reason is that this innate ability in us even before we came into this world or even when we became born again we have this innate ability in us that we need to live it work it and express it fully without any struggle because it is what god had already ordained before time we don't need to copy what others are doing with their lives or try to please men by fitting into shoes which are not really meant for us because God has a unique plan which he preordained for us even beforehand that we should work in them. So we shouldn't try to live someone's life but we should know our way and work in them. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you all. So as we always like to do, we like to take our word of prayer. And I just simply pray to God for the grace to walk in the path that he has ordained for us. For the Bible says again in Ephesians that we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There are people that are crying. There are systems that are institutions that are crying. And they need a man, a man that is connected to the supply of God. And all that God is asking of us that we should walk in them. Father, we pray for grace that we would walk in these plans. We pray for grace that we would have confidence in you in every day of our life. Father, we kill every spirit of complaint in our life. We kill every spirit of murmuring in our life. We kill every spirit of complaint. As we set our minds on you, even as we allow patience to have its perfect work in us, Jesus again said that I do what I've seen my father do. Father, we constantly pray for this. That every day of our life, every moment of our life, every season of our life, we will be the good works that you have to for us. We have a descending here, Lord, and the boldness to obey. We pray that may we never miss the Lord. We pray that may we never miss the reading. We pray that may we never miss the people. We ask that may your will be done in our lives. We ask that you orchestrate the events in our lives for your good. We ask that Father, we will submit ourselves to the will of the Holy Spirit. We ask that we will submit ourselves to the will of the Holy Spirit. We ask that we will submit ourselves to the impulse of the Holy Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. For no we come in the of the book, it is written of us to do your will. We pray for grace to continually do your will. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. God bless us all and all too soon. This is the final episode of our series, His Poema. God will next week will be beginning a new series, and I'm sure that you are hungry and you're expectant and you're open 
feel free to ask us any questions feel free to give comments to give suggestions and invite your friends to come and listen of the word of grace the word of faith has able to build you up and give you an inheritance among the saints remember to give god your best and make sure that the only thing you owe anybody in the rest of your life is lord see you next week bye bye So long for you, this heart beats for you.